You are listening to So You Want to Read Tolkien, a podcast that goes through each of J.R.R. Tolkien's main works, chapter by chapter, and discusses them in a most ridiculous manner. One does not simply walk into Mordor. I would cut off your head, dwarf, if it stood but a little higher from the ground. We've had one, yes. What about second breakfast? Yeah, Till at last I threw down my enemy and smote his ruin upon the mountainside. What's happening out there? Shall I describe it to you? Or would you like me to find you a box? Now, don't be hasty, Master Miriado. Is this new devil right? All right, hello and welcome to So You Want to Read Tolkien. Uh, we're, this week is book five of. Uh, nope. <laughs> this week is The Return of the King, book five, chapter six The Battle of the Pelennor Fields. I'm Caitlin, and I now have a sourdough starter. I'm not sure why it took me this long. Seems strange, because it's May now, and, like, I've been stuck inside for... Seven weeks. Quite some time. It, and it seems like the sort of thing you would have had already. Yeah, it does seem a very me thing, but nope, j- just now. I think I've always been a little intimidated by sourdough. Yeah, because once you but start, I've just you decided. Stop. Yes, and I've also just decided that I'm excited to make something that is a disaster. Sure. There we go. Uh, I'm Rachel, and technology hates me. All of my technology decided not to work. Right before we tried to record this episode. So everyone, it's a uh, quarantine miss miracle that I am here at all. Quarantine Quarantine miss. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'm Emmy, and I just got another plant to to nurture me through this dark time. It's called a Pelea. It's like a Chinese money plant, except in America, we call them friendship plants. For reasons passing understanding. <laughs> anyway, it's just, awesome. Just so you all know, uh, Emmy's inner workings in her mind. I heard a lot about this plant <laughs> Rachel was trying to sort out her technology. <laughs> I'm very proud of it. I got a really pretty pot that matches all of my other pots while also clashing with them beautifully. <laughs> it's not a succulent, which is rare for me, but also it propagates rare so you. quickly that you're supposed to be able to give it to friends, except I have no friends because we're all living at home and no one's allowed to leave. So I can't like go give this plant to anyone when I have to cut it into pieces. You can put it in a box and then drive to meet me halfway and then push it toward me with a hockey stick. There you go. But then see, the thing about that is you're just taking the box that I have touched or had in my car and then you're putting it in your car and unless you leave it standing for like 72 hours, you have no way of knowing I mean, if the germs are gone. Yeah, that's kind of the plan. You're going to leave it in the parking lot? Car, and then I wash my hands. It may come to that. It's grown like maybe 10 leaves since I bought it on like Saturday. So they weren't kidding when they were like, give it to your friends. Amazing. I'm going to have a Chinese money bush is really what's going to happen. <laughs> anyway. Moving on. Um, uh, yeah, okay, let's just dive into it. The Battle of the Pelennor Fields. The characters. Um, I will say I left out a lot of characters whose names are just, like, briefly mentioned. 
because it's like, here's a name. And then they die. Here's how they died. And it's like, oh, we've never heard of them before. They never come up. No. I, I think they count as people, but not characters. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't mention them because that's dumb. So just so you know, when you read this chapter, there's a lot of character. There's a lot of names. You can just forget. If they come up later, I'm going to be so upset. They're all dead. That doesn't mean they're not going to come up later. I guess that's fair. We have Theoden, the king of Rohan, deceased. We have Eomer, the king of Rohan, current. And we have Eowyn, who is not a man. And not the king of Rohan. Boo! Should be. Uh, And we have Mary, a hobbit, gives Eowyn a great assist. Um, Prince Imrahil, the prince of Dol Amroth, Faramir's uncle. We've talked about him. Uh, Snowbane. This, who, like we talked a lot about last time as the second best of horses, now deceased. Pour one out for Snowmane. But like, but pour, one, pour one out and celebrate for the uh, third best of horses that just got promoted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was also white, right? Probably. I mean, pretty Probably. sure. For I the think, symbolism, if nothing else. I think they talked else. about Aramur's white, ro- white rose, white horse. <laughs> who also has roses? Yeah. Did he compete sure. in the Kentucky now, Derby? I'm confused. Then we have Aragorn, who, according to the banner that we can now see, rejoice, is the king of Gondor. <gasps> what? Though, I mean, not officially. Since but, you know. when? Pay attention, Emmy. Uh, we have Legolas, an elf. He uh, he kills some orcs. We have Gimli, a dwarf. He also kills some orcs, but he is mentioned to specifically do it with an axe. Man, so many new characters we've never seen before. <laughs> I know. Did you not like read that sentence and be like, "What the fuck was that?" <laughs> like, <laughs> Legolas is fighting, Gimli fighting also with an axe. I'm like, what a weird way to put that, Tolkien. But okay. Um, and then we've got the Witch King of Angmar, and I mean, well, his name kind of sums it all up. He's the leader of the Nazgul, and he is also now deceased. Woot! We're very excited. Um, the short blurb for today's chapter is. The battle finally happens, and uh, Durnhelm is a girl. You know, nobody saw that coming at all, but but it's true. Durnhelm, slight of figure, strong of heart, is in fact a woman. Gasp. Never, never would have guessed. No, I know. How, how, how were we to know? So, yeah, uh, when last we left, the Rohirrim were beginning a dramatic charge into battle. This chapter opens up with a little intro to get us in the mood for some doom. <laughs> uh, we're we're helpfully reminded that uh, even though Sauron got rushed a bit and things aren't going super well for the forces of evil, they're still led by the Witch King, the Lord of the Nazgul, he of many, many evil-sounding names. <laughs> uh, we last left him at the Gate of Minas Tirith, but suddenly he vanishes. <gasps> Wherever will he go? No idea. Uh, Home, probably. Yep. Just going to go camp out. Back to um, Minas Ethel, or Minas Morgul, same thing. We failed, guys. Yeah. Peace. The horses are here. <laughs> Gotta go self-quarantine. <laughs> I don't want to be that close to this many orcs. <laughs> Oof. Meanwhile, uh, Theoden has been charging into battle, and he, doing good, he pauses to go look for some new people to fight. Uh, Dernhelm is with him, and, you know, not with Elfhelm, the, you know, company that Dernhelm is supposed to be part of. Whoops. Probably doesn't mean anything. Uh, this guy's, you know, kid's not going to get into trouble for, you know, abandoning his company or anything. It's whatever. Leaving his He's post. just heading along. It's fine. Uh, to the south are the main force of the Haradrim, one of the enemy forces, and their chieftain sees Theoden on his horse and charges. 
Uh, Theoden rides headlong to meet him, and even though there are fewer Rohirrim, they cleave through the ranks of the enemy, and Theoden kills their leader. Yay! Woo! Everything's going great! Yep. It is, unironically. (laughs) (laughs) But, suddenly, darkness comes across the battlefield again, and down comes a great winged creature which digs its claws into Snowmane. Caitlin beat me to this exact phrasing, but- I didn't even see that you had written this Everyone pour one out for the second best horse. (laughs) I'm so sorry for stealing that from you. Um, Mostly it just goes to show that we are predictable and have known each other too long. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Or we just make the same repetitive, we're just making the same repetitive joke about Snowman and we need to stop, (laughs) which we now will, because she's dead. Bye. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, dude. Uh, on the fell beast's back is a creature robed in black with a steel crown. It is, in fact, the Lord of the Nazgul. No. Yeah, right? Uh, the Witch King? <laughs> um, I the actually decided to just go with- for pages? Yeah. Right? Uh, I just decided to go with Nazgul for the rest of this because, sure. one, it's short, and two, that's what the book mostly called him, interestingly. Mm-hmm. I mean, go for it. Yeah. You're in charge. So yeah, Theoden is left alone. All the knights of his house are dead around him or driven away by the madness of their horses. Rip. But there's one left, Dernhelm, our mysterious, heroic young soldier. Uh, Mary is also there, having been thrown off his horse, but he's overcome with horror from the Nazgul and also for the sake of Theoden. Tries really hard to give himself a pep talk to go help Theoden, but to no avail. Oh. This part was really sad to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, out rings the voice of Dernhelm, telling the Nazgul to be gone. Uh, the Nazgul replies not to come between him and his prey, for if he does, he will not be killed, but rather taken to face even greater torment from the eye. Promises, promises. Which, are you implying, Emmy, that torment from the eye is um, something that you look forward to? <laughs> I mean, probably some people. I don't want to judge. Ah. Uh. Is something that Eowyn looks forward to? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to ruin the surprise. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you did. Don't lie. I mean, we've definitely ruined it uh, any number of times. Yep. Um, So true. So, yeah, uh, at this point, I'm going to read from the book because it's great. It's great. Uh, A sword rang as it was drawn. Do what you will, but I will hinder it if I may. Hinder me? Thou fool. No living man may hinder me. Then Mary heard of all sounds in that hour the strangest. It seemed that Dernhelm laughed, and the clear voice was like the ring of steel. But no living man am I. You look upon a woman. Eowyn I am, Eomen's daughter. You stand between me and my lord and kin. Be gone if you be not deathless. For living or dark undead, I will smite you if you touch him. Ugh, chills. I will smite you if you touch him. Fuck yes. Do it. It's so good. It's just, yeah. Even, I mean, even if we hadn't, you know, have had the movie and, like, have that mental image right in our head, it just, mm-hmm. like, it's so vivid. Yeah. You're just, it's just so good. Right there. So, yeah, uh, Mary, at this point, is so overcome by amazement at this that he's able to see clearly again, and he notices Eowyn standing in front of the Nazgul Lord, uh, hair gleaming, sword and shield in hand. Mary has a moment of double vision, where he sees her as Eowyn, but in her face, he also sees the memory he had of Dernhelm when they first set off, which was the face of one that goes seeking death, having no hope. 
Feelings. Feelings. Such good feelings, though. Mostly because yeah. I know they win. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That helps a little bit. Uh, this raises courage in Mary, and he begins to crawl carefully towards the Nazgul. Uh, the winged beast makes a strike at Eowyn, but she cleaves its neck with her sword and beheads it in one go. Yeah! Hell yeah. Uh, the Nazgul then stands up and lets out a screech that breaks Eowyn's shield into pieces and also breaks her arm. Yeah, ouch. Uh, yeah. He raises his mace to strike a killing blow, but Mary stabs his sword into the back of the Nazgul's knee. Ouch. Uh, <laughs> This causes the Nazgul to stumble, and Eowyn uses the last of her strength to drive her sword into the Nazgul. Her sword breaks in the process, but the Nazgul's crown rolls away, and the cloak he wore is now empty. A cry went up into the shuddering air and faded to a shrill wailing, passing with the wind, a voice bodiless and thin that died and was swallowed up and was never heard again in that age of this world. Which sort of like promises that in a future age, we will hear it again. But okay. Well, t- when Tom Bombadil brings him back to be his <laughs> second in command, and <laughs> right, like this is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's it's Tom, the Ant, Treebeard, Treebeard, <laughs> and the Witch King. Yep, <laughs> they're here. They're here to take over. Mm-hmm. Um, do we want to talk about the uh, differing opinions about who killed the Nazgul, of whether it was Mary or Eowyn? Mary stabbed him in the back of the knee. Eowyn stabbed yeah, him in the... the face. Excuse yes. me? <laughs> I did not no. realize there were conflicting opinions about this. There are, because there's that passage. Did you happen to make note of it, Rachel? I, I did. not see it here. Yeah. Okay. Am I jumping the gun? Do you, uh, uh, you want to... That passage comes up a little bit later when Mary looks at his sword, but we can kind of, we can touch on it, because yeah, go ahead. Okay. Because the, well, I won't read it then if you've got it later. Um, Because there's that passage that goes... A, that mentions how Mary's sword is from the North Kingdom, Arnor, and was specifically made to kill the Witch King, or to kill Nazgul. And when he stabs it with him, it's what gives him physical form so that Eowyn can stab him and kill him. Okay, but that doesn't mean that Mary killed him. I'm just saying. No, I, I agree. I'm just <laughs> saying that there are different opinions out there that really it was Mary's. I think it's like, right, if you're like, well, everyone who ever destroyed a Horcrux killed Voldemort. Yes. Like, yeah. yes, but also. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. That's a really good analogy. Yeah. Spoilers, everyone. Voldemort dies. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, and I think it's, I mean, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect teamwork because it, you know, neither one could have done it on their own. You know, Mary could it never is... have done, have done the whole deed. Yeah. No, yeah, Mary did I not agree. have the strength to go on without Eowyn, so. And I also think they both, um, you know, encapsulate what his downfall was and that he didn't think mm-hmm. that something so small could have hurt him. Right. Be that. Technically, neither one is a man, so. Yes. <laughs> Techn- Hell neither yeah. one is a man, but like Mary is literally small and kind of beneath his notice. And because of the prophecy, which is in the appendices, and I think we're going to talk about it then. I'm not going to get into it here, um, unless we want to. Let's save it. Okay, great. Um, He didn't really think any human could kill him either, so he didn't, he wasn't worried about any of them. And when she says, but I'm not a man, I'm a woman, he's like, oh, interesting. (laughs) Didn't see this one coming. How very Macbeth of him. Exactly. Yes. Well, that's another thing we (laughs) could talk about. Another point here in Tolkien's disdain for Shakespeare. Yep. Which no, I was it, reading 
Sorry? No, go ahead. I was reading a little bit about that before we were recording, and apparently he has a quote. uh, I'm paraphrasing a lot here because I don't remember what the exact quote was, but it was like, um, basically he said that Shakespeare's too new to be studied. (laughs) We we shouldn't be studying anything newer than Chaucer. Yeah. Okay. Tolkien, fuck off. So he thought Shakespeare was too modern. (laughs) Woo! Oh, oh sometimes like I love Tolkien. I do. I, well, I like his writing. I have no idea what he was like as a human, but sometimes he is such a fucking snob. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. No. I I love you talking about that as it, it's a you know microcosm for the entire story and the greater mm-hmm. battle that is to come, which is that none of this would have been possible without hobbits or without Eowyn. It's the 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 small people doing their part. Yeah. And and they're the ones who right, no one expects and and no one would ever believe in them, but they go on anyway and save the world. Ah. Those two points are so interesting in juxtaposition that Tolkien was such a snob in some regards. I mean we're all we're all snobby about something. Like I just had very expensive wine and <laughs> I don't like cheap wine. And that makes me a snob, but whatever. A wine snob. So we're all snobby about something, but it's interesting that he could be like that and still tell this huge story that is like, yeah, those in power don't notice the little people, and that's what makes the little people powerful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, from the perspective of a white man, I don't know that I like that <laughs> as much as I <laughs> no, did two it, seconds ago. <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying it's a perfect no. uh commentary on power and that sort of thing, but it's it is a commentary mm. and in a way it is mm, yeah i'm just yeah, over here I'm thinking it's coming like only somebody in a position of power would really come to that conclusion your insignificance is what makes you important and you're like wait what okay you know what maybe i maybe i phrased it poorly then maybe that was my fault it's not that their insignificant makes them important it's that the people who are in power don't ever expect for the people who are not in power to threaten them and that puts the people not in power in a position to be able to threaten them. Okay. If that yes. makes sense. It does. Or if that makes it, what I was saying, feel better in your mind. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think that actually that ends up being a, it, it's interesting in the context of Tolkien's monarchical society. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's, I don't know if it's just it's like, well, the good king recognizes the value of these people, if that's, you know, the commentary, but it's like, People in, in positions of power don't notice the little people. But here, let me tell this story all about, you know, kings with the birthright. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. But we do see all of the, like, uh, two and a half kings. We, I'm including Denethor uh, as the half that we see in this story. They all do very specifically form friendships with the mm-hmm. hobbits and take and talk to them. And mm-hmm. some of them take, like... I know about advice, but hear about their way of life. So maybe that's maybe you did that on purpose to show the difference between the good guys and the bad guys. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting though. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Well, and and Gandalf is our hero wizard, right? The one who mm-hmm. loved the hobbits too much. <gasps> yeah, the one who didn't seek power. Right. Just weed. <laughs> <laughs> Just the drugs. The stoner shall inherit the yeah. earth. <laughs> there we go. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying, no, I'm just trying to place this in the timeline. Um, Queen Elizabeth would have just been. Oh, the real life. The I real like, timeline. Again, I've been reading the other the timeline. City. Yeah. No, because um, 
she would have like just been crowned right around when this book was published, right? It was mid-50s. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But he might have written this long before that, you know, or, you know, or at least come up with like the, st- the specific story beats, you know, Tolkien and his writing. It's true. It like 30 years to write. I'm just thinking that the timing is interesting, given the themes we get specifically in Return of the King. I don't know if we know how Tolkien felt about Elizabeth becoming queen, though. Yeah, that's something yeah, good, I, too. Look I up. don't know why we would. Yeah. I don't know why he would talk about it. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Rachel, we interrupted you enough. I mean, no, that, that was good. That's, that's the stuff yeah, we're no, here for, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, after, after all this happens, uh, Mary is left standing there looking at Eowyn and Theoden's fallen forms. Yikes. Uh, yeah. He, uh, he goes to Theoden and has a, the very dramatic goodbye that Eowyn gets in the movie, uh, which I think being said to Mary is really sad in a lot of ways. Just like that, you know, Eow- Eowyn never gets to say goodbye. Yeah. And, you know, it's just in just the nature of it. It's just like, you know, we won't get to tell stories to each other. And mm-hmm. uh. yeah. Yeah. And Theoden never knew that Eowyn was right there. Yeah. That is sad. Although I will say, I was thinking about this when I was listening to this chapter, that I think we kind of get more of Eowyn in the movies. Mm-hmm. And I think they kind of, I think which was smart of them. And I think they sort of sacrificed Eomer as a character for that, mm-hmm. which makes total sense. I'm very happy about, other than the fact that Carl Urban is very nice to look at and I would have liked more of him. And he was good. I mean, just yeah, he was good. they both were but- great choices, but Eowyn is... Has more depth. Yeah, but just Amor as a character does nothing for me. Carl Urban does, but, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Amor's character um, is that he is a good knight who is loyal to Theoden and will one day inherit the throne. The end. Yeah. There is not a lot of depth there. Yeah. And so I like that Eowyn in the movie, like, I like that they chose to give her that goodbye and give her a lot more character stuff. Mm-hmm. That was good. And that's, I think, the other way it's sad is it's like, oh, that's sad. She just, like, shows up, does her thing, and that's it. You know, yep. yeah. The other, the other version of sadness is that she, you know, even though she has a huge role in this, barely gets to be there. It's again, it's like Tolkien logically understands that women can do things, but doesn't seem to know that they can do things or how. It's very strange. Yeah, he gets points for trying. That's well, does he? Yes. Okay. We'll give him like a half yes. a point. Okay. Because, I mean, all of this might have actually just been a big fuck you to Shakespeare. <laughs> it is true. Right? Yeah. And then went <laughs> on to be published case... in one of the most famous books of all time. So, like, yeah. eh, integral to the genre. He does get points for not locking Eowyn entirely in the tower. Which is what he did to Arwen. Yep. Yeah. One of them made it out. Yeah. <laughs> but even, like, uh, what's-her-face, Arwen's, like, great-great-grandmother... Luthien? Luthien? There we go, Luthien. Okay. I mean, she was literally locked in a tower, but she got out. Um, I mean, she was the one who was integral in their whole story. She was the one who actually did the work that needed to be done and got them a Silmaril. It was Baron who kind of kept fucking up. Not that, I mean, I enjoy Baron. He's a good guy, and he was very willing to be like, oh, I've got this powerful lady, you know? Yep. He was, he was cool with that. Um, but still, I find that, like... You, especially in these stories, you hear about Baron more. You hear about him being the hero. Mm-hmm. And in the story, when we were in like the nitty gritty, like the rap battle cave, yes, or pit or whatever that was, that was all was about Baron and um, Elf King Bro from the Secret Place. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that one, that dude, that one. 
I don't remember their names, obviously. <laughs> they either started you know, with when, a G when, or an F or a T. Those were the only options. Yep, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when when Luthien was there, he was just sort of, he wasn't like in the grid of the story. He was just sort of summing it all up. So I feel like he honestly doesn't understand how to make women do things. He just understands that they can do things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what is this thing called woman? Yeah. I do not know, but stab thing? Well, I don't need Luthien. Oh, well, Eowyn. Yeah. 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 So. And even then, she's pretending to be a man for most of the time. <laughs> yep. Like, that's how we got her into the army. He's like, well, I can write a woman if she's pretending to be a man. I mean, that's another uh, yep. a few to Shakespeare, right? It is. Oh, it's yeah, Viola. Got it. I will, I will say in this, one, in, in this one instance, at least, Shakespeare was better. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I will say nothing bad ever about Twelfth Night. Sorry, it's my favorite. Yes. <laughs> um, so anyway, after, you know, having some really emotional goodbye stuff with Mary, uh, Theoden says he wishes to see Amor, who will be king now. Uh, and he says he's sad he'll never see Eowyn again. And mm. Mary tries to be like, she's she's here. <laughs> uh, uh. But um, a bunch of horns blow and Mary is reminded of the battle and doesn't finish the thought. And Why not, Mary? Because uh. drama. I know. <laughs> uh, so uprides Aomer and the remaining knights and Theoden dies in Aomer's arms, never knowing that Eowyn lay beside him. Uh, Aomer. It hurts. Yep. Uh, Aomer then recites some poetry and cries a bit uh, and notices Eowyn lying there and cries some more. <laughs> uh, well, real men cry on battlefields, I'm just saying. I will say, in this bit, though, Aomer was like, we shall not cry for him, only the women will cry for him. <laughs> Although he was kind of crying at the time. And then, like, a second later, he sees Eowyn and loses his fucking shit. So he was trying to be all tough mm-hmm. until he sees Eowyn, and then he's like, okay, well, fuck everything, let's all just die. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, so um, on the list of people who get to have moods described as being fey moods, uh, Aomer gets in yep. on the action. Yes. He gets his fey mood uh, overcome by grief, and he yells death a lot and mm-hmm. rides headlong on back brand. into battle, yelling, death, ride, ride to ruin, and the world's ending. What a I'm good line. I'm glad to know that was a Tolkien line and that yeah. Peter Jackson didn't write it. I don't yep. know why that makes me glad. <laughs> doesn't matter at all but i don't know it's a good line and knowing it's in the source material is just like yes yep another way in which i am a snob (laughs) (laughs) let's reveal all of caitlin here uh so yeah the rohirrim follow no longer singing like they were when they first rode into battle but also all screaming death which would honestly be terrifying if i saw a bunch of horsemen coming towards me just screaming death yeah these orcs that are not mounted yeah yep I can't imagine what that's like, because somewhere in one of the movie special features, I don't think on the extended edition DVDs, but like on one, of, I don't know, somewhere, there's so many special features. <laughs> um, they show the, the Rohirrim charge. They actually filmed that with about 200 horses. And yeah. when the horses go by, you see all the like tech crew turn to each other and go, holy shit. <laughs> you know, like you can see it on their faces and they're kind of off to the side filming it mm-hmm. and it's only 200 horses. Yeah. So I can't imagine what being on like the receiving end of thousands of charging horses is. I can't well, wrap my the head thing is that. you like 
the odds of you getting killed by the person on the back of the horse, slim. Odds are you get trampled to death by the horse. Yeah. Which is excruciatingly uh, painful. I was going to say, you probably die pretty fucking slow. Yeah. Yep. So, like, you see them coming and it's like, you know, once they hit that speed, yeah. you can't get out of the way. There are 10,000 of them and, like, your people around you aren't moving. So, there's nowhere to go. You just got to wait for it. Mm-hmm. Luckily, they're only orcs and, you know, evil they humans. Have so, we don't care, right? Yes. That's how it works. Yeah. And that was established in the previous one that orcs are just, you know, having a day at the office. <laughs> <laughs> in the previous book, sorry. Yeah. So yeah, they all they all ride off, and then Mary is just left there again with the bodies. Uh, he picks up his shield and looks for his sword, which is smoking, and then crumbles away into nothing. Whoops. Uh, and here's where so the sword gets its own dramatic farewell, in which we also get to learn about a little bit and Backstory. i'm gonna read it now even though we talked about it a bit just because it's cool i think this is a little bit of our favorite segment aft shadowing <laughs> <laughs> good old aft shadowing with rachel yeah i'm your host rachel <laughs> <laughs> and today we're going to hear about <laughs> a new hero uh so past the sword of the barrow downs work of westerness but glad would he have been to know its fate who wrought it slowly long ago in the North Kingdom when the Dunedain were young, and chief among their foes was the dread realm of Angmar and its sorcerer king. No other blade, not, through, not though mightier hands had wielded it, would have dealt that foe a wound so bitter, cleaving the undead flesh, breaking the spell that knit his unseen sinews to his will. So that yeah, is good the writing. sword was all magic-y. Yep. And to take down the witch king of Angmar... Yeah. And, and I mean, what have okay. you been doing with it, Mary? <laughs> Carrying it around. But that's what I love about it, right? It's like this ancient sword forged for battle in, you know, the time of great heroism and evil. And, you know, Mary gets it because they randomly got caught and taken into the, the Barrow Downs and future Dark Lord Tom Bombadil saved them. Like after <laughs> such a such an ignominious beginning, right? They just... Because of their own sort of foolishness, they get caught, and along comes this sword. Just yeah, ends up so, right where it needs to be. <laughs> something that I was reading about this today was talking about how, you know, it sort of implies that there's these, in the same way that Sauron is this force of evil at work in the world, bending things to its will, there's these forces of good in the world bending things to their will. And it mentioned Tom Bombadil specifically, and I was like, oh, you haven't <laughs> read the books, right? <laughs> <laughs> Like, excuse you, we know he is a force of darkness. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, the point stands that there is that, uh, I like, it doesn't feel like Tolkien wrote that in there to be coincidence. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, just as the ring tries to find its way into the hands of people, you know, so too did yeah. the sword. That's an interesting point, actually. The idea that there's also these artifacts of good trying to find their way to where they're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. I like that a lot, too. That would be fun. Yeah. So there you go. So yeah, we at this point have a little bit of an interlude in which um, there are some men left there and they carry away Theoden and Eowyn's bodies. And then the rest of the dead it's knights. the Dol Amroth people, right? No, no, no. There are still some men of Rohan. No, that, yeah, they left some okay. Rohan knights yeah. behind. Yeah. It's not like, so there's like the main knights of the household who are the ones who went like charging off, but there's a bunch of other random Rohan people there. I thought Dol Amroth showed up and was like, they're not, she's not dead. 
Not yet. Oh, the, God, that's spoilers, about spoilers, Emily. Jumping the gun. Ah, uh, these are the people who are like about to bury her when they sh- when he shows up and says, "What the fuck are you doing?" She's <laughs> totally alive. Yep. A theme in this part of the book. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we'll get to that next chapter. Maybe that's why they get together. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god, how did you almost get <laughs> buried alive? Uh, so yeah, they they carry away Theoden and Eowyn, and the rest of the dead knights are laid out to be burned later. Uh, also, we hear about how later they bury Snowmane in a grave and give him a gravestone with a really killer epitaph. Like, some of these people just get burned, and then like the horse gets... Well, it's really the second line. best horse in the world. <laughs> like that's that's pretty a big deal. It's a it's a very good horse. Um, and yeah, Tolkien gives us another bit where he tells us, uh, like he did after the battle at Helm's Deep, that uh, lots of green grass grows on Snowman's grave, but nothing ever grows where the fell beast died. See, it's comparing Snowman to a fell beast, and fell beasts can fly. So <laughs> it's a pretty so, goddamn good horse. Yep. Not but the best what, horse. But what if you had? A Pegasus. <laughs> this is obviously where Tolkien was lacking in imagination. Horses <laughs> with wings. Yes. Come on. Uh, so yeah, as uh, Mary walks along with the men carrying the bodies, he sees Prince Imrahil riding toward them. Imrahil weeps over the bodies and is amazed to notice that one is a woman. Uh, he asks if even the woman of the Rohirrim came to war in their need. Uh, and honestly, I wish they had, because that would have been so dang cool. That would have been awesome. Yeah. Uh, but that aside, uh, Imrahil is smarter than everyone else because he notices that Eowyn isn't dead yet. Woo! Yay! Yay! Good job, bud. I don't know what was happening in my brain, but like when I was listening to this bit, I like forgot that she lived <laughs> or something. Mm-hmm. And, wh- and I was like, right, they bury Eowyn. And then he came up and I just said that she's not dead. And I'm like... Right, yeah. Eowyn lives. Of course. Like, I knew that. <laughs> well, I will say, I mean, it's it's definitely written. Like, you would not know until this moment that she did live. Yeah. So, you know, Tolkien doesn't run the very long, long game like he does with Gandalf. But, um, like, she's, she's, she's pretty, pretty dead looking for a while. It's pretty mm-hmm. serious. So, yeah, Imrahil em- then rides back into battle and we get an update on how things are going. Uh, the Rohirrim were getting a tr- into trouble because of the Oliphants, uh, and then a bunch of enemy reinforcements came into the battle. There were forces uh, for Bosgiliath that join in. They'd just sort of been there waiting for the sack of the city, which is kind of kind of gross. Like, oh, we gotta have those uh, those fresh reinforcements for all the raping and pillaging. Guys, can you hear my dog snoring? <laughs> yep. Yes. <laughs> I should wake him up and make him leave, but he's so cute. Amazing. Uh, yeah, um, Tolkien is then really, 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 oh really, God. really super racist <laughs> describing mm. all of the forces of the enemy. I, like, pushed pause on my audiobook and was like, what? At this point, it was, it was so bad. bad. It was so bad. And not yeah. even, like, it great writing. Just... Like, yeah. I don't know why, I don't know when you would read this and think it was acceptable like it was disgusting yeah yeah and and that's it's it's just so unnecessary like it's almost like the other side of him not knowing how to actually do anything with women just like sticking in this bit where she does something it's like 
oh, I've got to describe these enemy people. Let me just be super racist stuck in here. And it like doesn't actually, it doesn't even matter, which is in some ways the worst part. It's just right in there. Like it could have been anything. It's just so bad. Do we want to read the line or no? No. No. That's fair. Just trust us, guys. If you haven't been reading along, yeah, just. You're lucky in this instance. Yeah. You're better off. Just trust us. Tolkien was kind of gross with his racism. Yeah. It's just one of those times where it's hard to be like, you know, we can kind of skim over how bad his female characters are and everything because like, well, we still love it. But this just it's just one of those bits that's just so gross. There's stuff where you can be like, this was a product of its time. And then you hit this and you're like, no, this was like the 40s and 50s. You did know better. (laughs) Like this was gross. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was disgusting. So. And like you said, it's like it's like there's times that he's describing a mountain that doesn't matter. Like nothing would have changed if it just wasn't there. Yeah. That's it. Nah. Like even just like, you know, you you have your own problems with orcs as, you know, just those creatures and stuff and and getting into stereotypes there, but this is the this was describing like the humans and so it it's really bad because you can't even be like, well, it's just, you know, evil creatures like no, we're just describing enemy humans using absurdly racist stereotypes. Not even, it's like he took a racist stereotype and then thought to himself, how can I make this worse? Yes. And it's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. I'm also, I'm curious what the like editorial structure behind these books was like. You know, like by the time they got to Return of the King, did like no one bother editing or whatever? Did he just have so much power he's like i can't imagine i mean i guess well people are still the worst but these were all published like months apart not Mm -hmm. years apart the way books are now so they were already done being written and edited by the time the first one came out right and from what i understand tolkien was not of the mind that he would just oh change this one bit Mm -hmm. if he had to change something he was starting over again from the beginning that's fair so I can't just be like, what a just take this out. Yeah. yeah. Just don't. Just don't, my dude. So, and I, I remember, like, it was supposed to be published years before this, mm. but he kept changing things and rewriting it and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. I'm not making an excuse for the editors. I'm sure they were all racist white guys, too. Uh, but they, at that point, were just like, we're publishing it now. Fuck off, Tolkien. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the you part know? I was trying like, to remember exactly. That's, yeah. So, but again, I'm sure, I'm sure they were of the mind that it didn't bother them at all because they were also just, you know, moneyed white guys. Yep. Anyway, we can there love Tolkien all we want, but just never forget. <gasps> also, yeah, not the greatest. Maybe when you write modern fantasy these days, be better. <laughs> There's a thought. We can dream. Uh, so yeah, into the middle of all of this. Uh, comes another burst of despair because of yay, yay everything's <laughs> awful. That's actually kind of the uh, the quarantine the theme. <laughs> theme again, right? Just when everything seemed as bad as it was going to get. <laughs> Murder hornets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. I thought was... everything was as bad as it could get. And then they were like, here are these, here are these insects coming to ruin everything. Coming yeah. to ruin everything that isn't already ruined. Yeah. Everything that's left. 
Uh, okay. So into the middle of this comes a fleet of murder hornets, aka corsairs. Uh, they're sailing on up the river to join the fray. Uh, this mm-hmm. surely spells the end of our heroes because with these new forces, they are far too outnumbered to survive. Everything is definitely lost. No hope. Uh, Amor stands on a hill to give a recitation of dramatic poetry before facing his death. Got it, Amor. That classical <laughs> education coming into play. Can die with drama. Fucking royalty. <laughs> uh, but, lo, remember that flag that Aragorn has now? That we opened at night when no one could see anything? <laughs> <laughs> it's daytime now. <laughs> we can see this sucker. Okay, okay, before you read it, I'm just gonna say... This was a much better reveal for it than what would what it would have been. But why why even have it there then? Why not just Why not save it for this I guess, moment? I know, I guess just so that we wouldn't forget it. Mm-hmm. But what the fuck, Tolkien? Anyways, Carrie, <laughs> I'm still not over that. I'm still not over it. Good old flag at night. <laughs> yeah. Uh so yeah. Um in the flag. There flowered a white tree, and that was for Gondor. But seven stars were about it, and a high crown above it, the signs of Elendil that no lord had borne for years beyond count. And the stars flamed in the sunlight, for they were wrought of gems by Arwen, daughter of Elrond, and the crown was bright in the morning, for it was wrought of mithril and gold. That's a badass flag. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, surprise, bitch. <laughs> Aragorn's back. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> So this bit in in my uh, illegal audiobooks that I listen to, I think the line goes out there. Thus came Aragorn, and then it goes on to list all of his like forefathers and shit. But the way that it did it in the book, it took this really kind of blah line, and it so beforehand it all like the sound effects and music of battle and blah 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 blah. And then he said thus, and then everything went silent, and he put in a sound effect of a sword being drawn. And then he said, came Aragorn with this <gasps> great, like, flourish of music. And it was so good. Oh, it was so good. I really got to listen to these. They're Amazing. so good. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, it's uh, Aragorn's back. It's time for all hope to leave the enemy, you know, instead. Because they know Aragorn is just too majestic. They're done for. <laughs> Legolas and Gimli leap off the ships, too. But Gimli has an axe. Gimli has an axe. Very important. It's, you know, firmly established. Uh, Aragorn, what? Legolas, Gimli, and his axe. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> uh, not not to be uh, overwhelmed, though. Uh, Aragorn, uh, he's up front wielding, you know, uh, not just an axe, but the flame yeah. of the West, Anduril like a new fire kindled, Narsil reforged as deadly as of old. And upon his brow was the star of Elendil. So dramatic. So dramatic. So the star of Elendil is not a silver elf. <laughs> just, <laughs> just FYI, just throwing that out there. It's probably in honor of the silver elves. It was ma- the original one was made by somebody who has a very similar name to the word silver elf. It's Silmarian or something like that. Anyways, it's what some of the more, some of the, like, kings of, of Gondor and Arnor wore instead of a crown. They wore, like, a jewel on their head. Uh, Elendil wore it. Uh, and then his kid, the one who had the ring, Isildur, uh, wore it. And that was actually what led to his death, because it was still shiny when he had the ring on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 
it was lost because he died in a river. And then somebody in Rivendell uh, made a replacement and they kept it at Rivendell until now. Dramatic reveal. Dramatic reveal. Gotta love those. I mean, gotta have that glow up before showing up into battle in front of your new <laughs> mm-hmm. kingdom. Yeah, yeah. That's that's why uh, Arwen sent her brothers with all this stuff that she had gathered for him. She's like, here, we reforged the sword, bring him that. Uh, I made he already the, had oh, no, the sword. Sorry, I just mixed it up with the movie. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, bring him this flag that I made. Bring him this stone that we've been holding on to for literally thousands of years. <laughs> Honestly, she probably <laughs> gave them orders. Anything. To like yeah. brush his hair too and stuff like yeah make okay sure he's he gonna have forgotten clean. to moisturize so yeah <laughs> he's probably gonna be covered in dirt because it's Aragorn could you just wash him up for me thanks let me know how that goes <laughs> he's got to make a great first impression it's his first yeah. day at a new job <laughs> it's a really stressful time his impressions are really important I just want to read the line that I keep making fun of about Gimli which is. There came Legolas and Gimli wielding his axe and Halberd with the standard and Elidan and Elrohir with stars on their brow. I'm like, what? Everybody was carrying something or had something, but not Legolas. Poor Legolas. He Legolas was just there. was beautiful. <laughs> but that's all he needed. That. That's just all like, you needed to know. Legolas is there. Everybody else has like some cool shit. Sort of reminds me of the time Frodo forgot his name, which is not in the books. I'm aware. It is only in the movies. I'm sorry. Excuse me? In the movies, at the very end, when uh, Frodo gets oh, back to Rivendell, yes, 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 yes. he greets every yeah, he single member of the Fellowship yes. by name, except for Legolas, who he just smiles at yeah. because he forgot. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. You mean Gondor, but yes. Ah, yes. uh, yeah. Work with me here. Yeah. Poor Legolas. <laughs> it's okay. His uh, hair still looks good, so that's yep. The important thing. <laughs> Better than Aragorn's, as Arwen was. Yeah, he would never forget yet. to brush it. Or moisturize no. properly. Are you kidding? <laughs> Those braids are flawless. <laughs> so, Amor and Aragorn uh, meet in the middle of battle, and Aragorn gets to say, I told you we'd meet again. Amor. Drama. Is... <laughs> Good old I told you so in the middle of battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amor is very happy to hear that, and they ride off together back into battle, as bros do. Bro's got a bro. Uh, so everyone fights until the sun begins to set, and the hills and mountains are dyed with as blood, and the river glows fire, and the grass is red, and it's all very biblical. <laughs> it is. You're right. Yep. I have never read the Bible, so I would not know. I mean, it's also in, like, you know... The Prince of Egypt? What? Prince of Egypt, or... <laughs> that is... I was gonna... I thought you were going to start naming biblical movies, and I'm like, I've seen one, and it is The Prince of Egypt. Uh, it's the best one, so don't say, worry about the, it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, The Mummy would work, too. Uh, or I was going to go for, you know, it, it's See, very okay. Ghostbusters. I understand you know. that there are biblical references in The Mummy, but I would never have assumed that they were accurate to what is in the Bible. I mean, the, the plagues well, are... the only reason... Okay, never mind. We're not getting into this. Anyway, dogs and cats sleeping together. <laughs> <laughs> what is that from? Ghostbusters? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're Caitlin, you were so concerned that you didn't know. <laughs> what is that from? Is that Ghostbusters? Well, you know when you recognize a line and you're like, wait, why do I know that line? There's <laughs> a big Twinkie. And I kind of like, I remembered the ghost, I remembered it was Bill Murray as I was asking, and then I was like, well, the only movie that would make sense is Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah, doesn't fit in Groundhog Day very well. <laughs> so anyway, as everything's washed in red, uh, 
we hear that just about all of the enemy were killed, except for those who have now gone to, you know, run off and die alone or drown in the river. Sure, sure. Two options. Great options. There are only two options. Or join up with Tom Bombadil in the woods. <laughs> da, da, da. The next Dark Lord. Uh, uh, anyway, um, Aragorn and Amor and Imrahil all have main character mojo, so they ride back to Gondor completely unscathed. Sure, sure. <laughs> Seems realistic. And uh, 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 Gimli and, and Legolas, too, unscathed. I mean, they're fine, but we don't hear that they're unscathed. I thought we do hear that they're unscathed. Oh, okay, I'm wrong. Uh, do we? I was am probably I... just mixing it up with that other line. Am I, am I it's, wrong? It, that one's stuck in my brain so long. I was pretty sure it just like talked about how awesome they were. Also, you, also that a might fair be true. Conclusion. Anyways, it doesn't really matter. They all they all lived. Yep. Halvard died, but he doesn't matter. So, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say um, we hear of a lot of other people who are dead, and all their names are listed, but I didn't remember any of them. So I think the only one didn't they say like Windfola died? That was the only name I remembered because. He had he was like the wind whisperer that we never heard of from oh, a previous chapter. That guy. Yeah. And then they're like, here he's like, this guy died. And you're like, oh, he wasn't even and like that Hulver useful. <laughs> we'd heard of because yeah. he was one of the Dunedines who joined mm-hmm. up with Aragorn. Which is sad. He saw the great reveal of the dark of the dark banner thingy. Yeah. I forgot how to speak English in the middle <laughs> of that, apparently. <laughs> anyway. Yep. A uh, bunch of people are dead, but not the ones we care about, other than like one we already talked about. <laughs> yep. Yep. Like, okay, I guess we cared about... Um, no, it's just there. Cared is a strong word. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess, and Snowmane. We cared about Snowmane mm-hmm. as the second bestest horse. Yeah. R.I.P. Uh, so yeah, the chapter ends with uh, a little bit more of Rohan songwriting. Sure, uh, sure. We, it, pays, uh, it pays homage to all of the slain. So I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's mostly a list of names, but um, I'll just read the final few lines that wrap up the chapter. Perfect. Death in the morning and at day's ending, lords took and lowly. Long now they sleep under grass and gondor by the great river. Gray now as tears, gleaming silver, red then it rolled, roaring water. Foam died with blood flamed at sunset. As beacons, mountains burned at evening, red fell the dew in Ramus Echor. Okay, so not to like completely break the mood, but where you wrote here in the notes, death in the morning, I'd completely forgotten that that line was in the poem. And so I thought you were going to make like a, you know, a napalm in the morning joke. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, Amor probably loves the uh, smell of death in the morning. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so then I sort of burst into hopefully silent laughter while you were reading (laughs) because I was like, oh, that's what she's doing. I love that, I mean, we're going to talk about, you know, maximum nerd problematic dude, Jert, again, but uh, the cadence of that song, and then also even just some of his phrasing with some of the battle bits is, mm-hmm. again, it's very, you know, like Norse saga. It's that it's that structure. So, you know, if you want to Like I said, he didn't think anything Beowulf past Chaucer yep. was any good, so. Interesting, then, that he would decide to be an author. But okay. But he based it all, based a lot of it on like medieval mm-hmm. and Norse and writing and that sort of thing. He's not like other authors, Emmy. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's better than Hashtag them. not all authors. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh my 
my god, he totally would. Yeah, I, I mean, now he, feel oh, guilty he that course, we're doing a podcast about this asshole. I was gonna say he would be the guy in your MFA Twitter, except for the fact that like he would truly believe an MFA in writing was worthless. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Guy in your classics PhD program. Hard to say. Yeah. God, I want a classics PhD. Do you? I just think it would be fun. I'd have to call you Dr. Emmy. No, you would not. <laughs> See, that's super funny because that's the exact only reason I would want a PhD is just to make people call me Dr. Rachel. Yeah. Oof. I mean, I'd make some people probably. Definitely not you two. You would say it. No, weird. I would do it for the laugh. <laughs> like, I just like I want to be able to when I'm f- filling out my honorific in forms, like be able to put something cool there. I mean, I really want a title. I was gonna say Lord, you know, but <laughs> you can just put Doctor. They're not gonna call up your school and double check that you have a PhD. Yeah, that's not really yeah, what she means. She wants do- to be I mean, like a Sir. <laughs> yeah, I do, Sir Rachel. I do yeah, want to be fair. Sir Rachel. <laughs> no, that's that sounds pretty badass. So. One day. One day what? You'll move to England and then perform One some great deeds? One day I'll find deed? some random small sovereign and, and get them to, to crown me. To crown knight you? you. <laughs> or knight me. Yeah, that one. I don't know if they're going to do the other one. <laughs> I was like, um, just, just bequeath it unto me. It's you know, fine. Everything's fine. You know, I can 100% get behind the knighted Rachel. I don't know if I can get behind King Rachel because what the fuck would that country be? <laughs> It would be like the Federated States of Micronesia. That's where we'd move. It would be awesome. <sighs> I mean, my country would have socialized health care, so. Yeah, it would be great. We just need Sometimes, to dream. In, in like the before times, I'd feel like I could make jokes about this. But now I'm just like, oh, I can't make jokes about this now. No, please don't. Yeah. It's, it's a yeah. dark time over here. Yeah. Yep. Also for Theoden. <laughs> Literally, it's dark. I mean, he's gone off to the falls of his fathers, as he said, and not feeling ashamed. So, I know. What a Mendo good line. Nice. It's nice not to have shame follow you into death. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Pretty sure the knowledge that somebody will be, like, going through my shit when I die. Yeah, shame's going to follow me <laughs> into death. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I need, like, a month's notice so I can throw everything out first. Yeah, there you go. That's totally how it works. <laughs> yeah. I was just watching... Um, the Martian, so be prepared for this side tangent, um, where he has that line. This is the connection in my head. He has that line where he's like, if you didn't want me to go through your shit, you shouldn't have left me for dead on a desolate planet, which yes. is just peak, like petty. But then I forgot that they make that Council of Elrond joke. <laughs> where they're like, it's called Project Elrond. And the one of the people walks in and is like, What is this? What does Elrond mean? And then they've got Sean Bean who's in the room and he's like, <laughs> It's the secret meeting where they decide they're going to destroy the one ring. It's so good. It was so good. And I remember losing it in the theater, but somehow in the like, I don't know, five years since that movie came out, I forgot of its existence and enjoyed it. All over again. I had forgotten that Sean Bean was in that movie. Yeah. So I apparently I For just that too. scene, I think, is the only reason. <laughs> and then one of the other like administrators is like, I want to be codenamed Glorfindel. And I was like, I know who that is now. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching National Treasure the other day and I was what like, great Oh, it's Boromir. I forgot that you were in this. Forgot he's the villain. Yeah. What a great job. Yep. Oh, Doesn't die though. Thanks, Sean Bean. Doesn't die. Does great work. Anyway, sorry, my tangent just threw us off, but 
No, that's great. (laughs) I enjoyed it immensely. Good good way to wrap us up, I think. Unless anyone has anything. No, No, I'm here. We all understand that Gimli had his axe. (laughs) The most important (laughs) point in the chapter. Most important. He reiterated a few times. (sighs) Oh, okay. Actually, sorry. I did have something. Not about the chapter, though. So, okay, yes. Um, before we sign off, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to our newest patron, Erica. Thank you so much for supporting our show and the very kind messages that you sent us. Uh, I had a fun time sharing them with Rachel and Emmy, who I don't think even know the password to our Patreon account. Wow. So. Way to call us out. <laughs> just drag us. Why don't you? I think my I think my computer might know the password to our Patreon. Account. Oh, that's fair. You've posted something, Emmy. Anyways, and also, of course, a thank you to our uh, longtime uh, patrons, Alan, Amanda, and our friends over at Eloquent Gushing. We appreciate all of you supporting our small little podcast here. Speaking of our friends over at Eloquent Gushing, Emmy, is it last week? Last week, I recorded my The King's Speech episode with them, which was so much fun. Pop culturally deprived. Yes. Uh, And I just recorded an episode on the Blues Brothers, so... Go check those out. They're going to be great. I had a blast. Do either of you know when they will be up? No. They have a huge backlist of things that they have recorded. So I don't think they're ready yet. Watch our Twitter. (laughs) We will definitely let you know. uh, I believe Eloquent Gushing is at Eloquent Gushing on Twitter. Yes. And they're really great. I did an episode with them on Pop Culturally Deprived, oh my God, years ago? I don't even know. On a... I did an episode on Blazing Saddles with them uh, a while back and we had a long... uh, We had a very good time. And I have, of course, posted a fun interview where uh, Matthew and I talked about his relationship with Lord of the Rings on our Patreon. And Mandy and I do a whole podcast together about uh, Discovery of Witches TV show. So they are great friends. And uh, yeah, check them out. So today, May 5th, uh, Emmy's episode with Mary Clay over at... That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. I was going to say, what are you talking about? And I'm like, oh, is it? I think I just smooshed. No, you're right. Her titles. (laughs) Wait, (laughs) I'm so confused now. So you want to be talking about? (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) (sighs) Anyways, that posted today. And you guys were talking about uh, Return of the King chapter, right? Yeah. Um, We were talking about, you know, the the chapter in which Turnhelm is definitely, definitely a man. Ah. Uh, the Master of Rohan. I have not listened to it just yet, but I believe with this episode, Mary Clay has completed her Pokedex of She has. Us. She's caught mm-hmm. us all. So now the question is, what do we evolve into? <laughs> we should find mm-hmm. out. Something majestic, I'm sure. say people who are very bad at podcast scheduling. <laughs> <laughs> if you wish to become a patron of us, like uh, the wonderful people that I mentioned earlier, you can at patreon.com slash so you want to read Tolkien. If you wish to reach out to us on Twitter, you can at to read Tolkien or send us an email about how you think we were too harsh on Tolkien. In fact, actually, if you think that, please stop listening to our show. Um, <laughs> uh, you can at, oh, fuck, what is our email? Want to read Tolkien at gmail.com probably (laughs) yeah it'll probably get there (laughs) i'm caitlin i'm rachel and i'm emmy and we will see you next time for chapter six seven uh the pyre of denethor chapter seven for chapter seven the pyre of denethor oh we're good at this (laughs) good night goodbye bye